right, these mics are hot. They hot are? Hot mic. I'm so, done. you know, uh, the last episode we did, our worst movies of 2014, yeah. I don't think we introduced ourselves, and we spent about 15 or 20 minutes talking about the movie The Interview without ever saying the two words, the and interview. I like that. That's that how order. we do it. I like that. That's the, how we do I it. I like the idea that someone was listening to that episode and, and like, going off context clues. Like, once we start talking about North Korea... And James Franco. Then they go, oh, I see what movie they've been talking about. So I, hope- I like the idea that somebody was like, are they talking about There Will Be Blood? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. They have to be talking about a pizza. Does, does he something? think There Will Be Blood came out in 2014? <laughs> They're behind. But anyway, uh, just if you if you heard that episode, Ronald's uh, least favorite movie of 2014 was The Interview. Mm-hmm. And as always, I'm John. I'm Ron. I'm Steve. And you've made our day. <laughs> there we go. It's done. Yeah, it's done. Episode one twenty seven. We didn't even the say the name of the podcast yet, yeah. <laughs> and we still finished. Do we really? Just as we expected. If we've already said our names. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Do we really need to like gild the lily by so. saying the name? Maybe of the we show? just change the name of the podcast in iTunes just to right. our names. Yeah. Yeah. You know the trio. I feel like we just hit that note at least. <laughs> Let's call it. You know the trio. Yeah. <laughs> you know the trio. Um, so, so this has... is episode one two seven. Yes. One two seven. One two seven. So we'll make that clear. We've hit all the notes. We got the names, the name of the podcast, mm-hmm. the number of the episode, yes. and what episode? Are we, what are we doing in this episode, John? I think we're going to catch up on movies we've seen, new movies new we've movies. seen right. thus far in right. 2015. I was about to say 2014. It's been a couple weeks. That sounds good since we posted, right? <laughs> it's been good. two, one week. Well, you know, we, we, it'll it'll line up. We okay. went a week longer without, like, we would have met last week, but schedules didn't work out. Yeah. So we've gone a little bit longer. We've left people thirsty. Yeah. For like they're sitting there going, "What movies have John speaking Steve, of thirst? And Ron speaking seen? of a, yay. So <laughs> so yeah, Ronald came up with a bit this time. Mm-hmm, a That's bit. A nice so I went to uh, Royal Farms, uh, or as it's affectionately known in uh, some circles, Rofo. Rofo. And I, I didn't learn that till this year, by the way. I, I, it's it's taken off, right? I think, how did I not know this? Like, I, I grew know, up around people them. People say it, like, the problem is... I had is, no idea what it meant. When you introduce slang like that to somebody's life, like, understand that it's not close to Royal Farms. Like, you, how could you have ever known, Steve? Exactly, I wouldn't know. It's Farm, like the wrong vowel. Farms isn't foam. Forms. Yeah, foam. Yeah. Forms. Forms. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so. Not the way most Somebody got lazy, yeah. I don't know. Right. But it caught on, it's catching on. Yeah. I finally know about yeah. it. But anyway, I, you, you stopped in a yeah, Rofo. and I got a Mountain Dew Kickstart Hydrating Boost... And the flavor is pineapple, orange, mango. And I bought it for you guys. I've never drank it before. And I want us to open it up and take a swig live on the podcast. So it's got apparently just the right amount of kick. Mm-hmm. And kick is, is has got its own logo. I like oh, that. Wow. That's Does that mean sure. kick, is kick some chemical compound Maybe that they're is. not explaining what it is? Well, here's the thing. There's only 10% juice in this. <laughs> so the rest of it's kick. <laughs> it's all kick. 10% juice, 90% so kick. So by just doing standard math, that means 90% kick is the right amount of kick. It's the I right suppose amount so. Of yeah, and, and do that. 60 calories per can. So Not this is, bad. This is a low-calorie. Not bad. Coconut water-based Mountain <laughs> Dew product. Coconut water. Right. I feel, like, I feel like we hit it big with this drink. And, uh, I, I like your yeah. consideration, and, Ronald. And yeah, it's man. going to hydrate and boost... The three hosts of this show. I'd like to believe that it will. So I'm going to crack mine open. All right, let's I don't crack know it you guys. So let me describe this can as I'm opening it up. It's it's yellow. It's about the size go. of a standard um, oh, yeah. like a Red, Red Bull can. Bull. Yeah. It, it actually looks identical to it, to be completely I'm sure they, you. yeah, it's exactly the uh, same. Except for the Bull Insignia. Uh, it is pretty identical. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to taste it. Bottoms up. It's not bad. 
I taste Mountain Dew in it. It's but. pretty good, I think, for that reason for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Walking in today, I had a big gulp of Mountain Dew, and Ronald presented me. <laughs> Ronald presented with more me Mountain with Dew. a little sidecar of Mountain Dew. <laughs> with a little Dew. sidecar. Yeah. And then well, I got this get out of malt shop. You know? yeah. It's like that, that internet meme. Yo, Doug. <laughs> Heard you like cars. <laughs> so it's good that, you know, I have this as a little, it's got the Mountain Dew taste to it. Mm-hmm. It also has that, like, you know, I don't, I don't know what it, it's like an X factor of like what Red Bull and like Monster. It's got that little bit mm. of that that energy drink aftertaste. Yeah, yep. sort of vitamin E. Vitamin yep. E is the word that then I didn't at the end is ten before. It's just ten at the end. It's the drink and then ten at the end. I taste the ten. <laughs> A little bit of metal. <laughs> Would you agree it's got the right amount of kick? I think so. It's man. pretty good, actually. I, I, I don't, like I don't it. mind it. Well, I keep searching my tongue. Drinks, I keep yeah. searching my tongue for something unpleasant. You know, like yeah. I keep going, like, well, I'm really going to get like, did it was it too bitter? Was it too yeah. sweet? It's actually not too bitter or so too the, sweet. So to counter the taste, I also brought <laughs> veggie straws. <laughs> what we got going on here? I'm going to open this up. So Uts, food, veggie straws. You. I'm going to hand this around. So, so for, Uts, ev- for, for our listeners out there, not from this region, Uts is a regional brand yeah. that makes many fine products, but this is yep. not I'm, one of them. This is well. Have you had them? Are they not? No, I haven't had them before. I like veggie straws. You know, I've got gum in my mouth. I'm gonna go spit it out. Okay. Steve, I'll be back for some veggie straws. I'm taking a veggie straw. Okay. Now, which vegetables are we representing? We have uh, yellow, green, and red. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite vegetable is red, so it's good that they're in here. Try it. it. Or it's red orange. So I like to counter salty with sweet, or sweet with salty. Is is that? uh, I think you're the first person to think of that. Really? No. <laughs> um, I think I might. Be. You think these are carrot flavored or tomato flavored? It's like carrot. It's tomato. in that weird in between. <laughs> that that space between carrots and tomatoes that all foods <laughs> exist in. How do they taste? Are they salty? Um, no, they're not too salty. No, not, they're, no, they're kind of bland. They're a little bland. I, well, they, they kind of taste like puff. They're like, kind like, of healthier, like, supposedly. Blah blah blah. Ever had those like potato straws? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They're not too different from those. I never really understand what these are. Like, because there's definitely not vegetables. They're vegetables. I mean, there's probably some vegetable, like, concentrate or juice in this. But then, I mean, you know, a vegetable doesn't puff up with a hole in the center center in the form of a rectangle. I think they're pulverized. Yeah, I mean, like, there's... (laughs) What is that... What is that material that all these things... Like, Cheetos, you know, like... That crunch material, like... What is it? What is that? Because, I mean, that's what this is. (laughs) <laughs> it's definitely that. They're a crunchy, delicious vegetable and potato snack and a fun straw shape for you to enjoy on the go. More importantly, there's a center in the straw. Mm-hmm. So what we should actually do is drink our kickstart through the veggie <laughs> snack. Shit. Really put this sweet and salty <laughs> thing to the test. The other thing I wanted to point out It'll about pass this bag, through. since this is what we're doing, uh, is uh, it's it's got a picture of the potato snacks on the, on the, yeah. on the bag. But it says enlarged to show detail next to it. Yeah. Why? Because I guess somebody's well, like, That's a decision-making criteria. <laughs> right. I got to see the detail of these straws. I think somebody's like, in these veggie straws are bigger than the normal size. They open up like, you fuckers. <laughs> you fucked us. <laughs> they do not look like they are in the front. I, want, I, don't, I don't know if you want any more. I'm curious what that uh, that, what that, that X factor. I guess it's just real. potato starch. Just to get our brains going, right? I know people who were sad that we, that we... If anyone was sad that we didn't put out a show last week... I'm sure they thought, I hope they do 15 minutes of snacking at the beginning of the next episode. I think it's tomato, because we don't have any carrots represented on here, John. We don't. Tomato, green pepper, celery. Is there any any kick? Apple. Zero percent kick. (laughs) No mention of kick. Zero percent kick. Gee. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. 
Well, since it's a, the sen- Let me start that sentence over. Since this is a catch-up episode, something I had thought of that I don't know if we've quite done this before, but I thought it would be good if we, if whatever movies we talk about at the end of the show, we talk, we we all call what our what we say is the pick of the movies we saw. Okay, done. You know? I like it. You know, how do you know mine? You already know yours. I know it. Well, what uh, do you want to start with one? Because there's maybe a movie that that we were texting about that we've all seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's not the one I picked though. But yeah. I, really? I did enjoy that movie a lot. There's one that you like more than that one. Yeah. I think get the so. fuck out of here. Well, let's get it going. What movie did you are, like are we just more? Talk, are, we, are we talking like, am I throwing it out now? What my what my pick of the week is? Or are you just at the end of the uh, episode? Oh, well, you're right. Maybe we'll leave us in suspense. So yeah, don't I don't want to like throw it, it out you there know, now. Right. Or maybe <laughs> I will. Yeah. You just don't know if it's going to be the one I'm picking. Yeah. It's a right. mystery. Well, I've seen like four films that seem like they're worth a mention. What have you seen, Ronald? I've been re-watching a lot of my picks to see if um, I wasn't like punch drunk. I don't know. Like yeah. I felt like a little trigger happy on the... But yeah, I think that I, I, I rewatched Birdman <clears throat> this time in HD. Fuck, mm-hmm. amazing, beautiful. Uh, John Wick, I rewatched that. Um, that wasn't one of your picks. Oh, it wasn't. Yeah, but I still. But I, you know I what? Think, I think we said that. Yeah. We, we never really talked, talked about it since we've all seen that film. Yeah. So maybe let's give a couple minutes to John. Because Wick. it's out on Blu-ray, DVD now. Mm-hmm. It came out last week, I think. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, I've I loved actually it. watched it again at, since getting a hold of the, it's a the, the Blu-ray. Movie. Yeah, just like it's just that fun movie that like great action scenes. It's mm-hmm. just straight up like revenge. There's nothing really else going on. It's not just revenge, but it's revenge for a puppy. Yeah, which I think yeah. gives the film next an level. extra bit of like pathos because yeah. you you really loved that he had found this peace and this happiness. Sure. Even though you just got introduced to the character, but it, it just moved so fast. It was so simple. Yep. It reminded me. It's not really the same type of film as The Guest, but yep. it reminded me of that type of storytelling yeah. where you just jump in and and it's almost old fashioned in how much it's just trying to deliver these badass moments. But it was also kind of a cool little mythology, the world it built of these hitmen and these organizations that sort of protect them and this hotel that they stay in that has rules. I, I sort of thought that like that little subculture of assassins or whatever yeah. uh, was, was interesting. <clears throat> and when I heard that they were planning on doing a sequel already, mm-hmm. part of me was like, ah, oh, Darn it. Like, that was such a succinct movie. They don't need to do any more. Yeah. But then I thought about that world that the movie existed in. Yeah. And I was like, there probably is more story to tell in that world of, of yeah. this kind of secret society of, of hitmen and people that are trying to sure. drop out of society. And, you know. It's just like that fun movie. No, it's, it's super fun. It's like fun. The word fun, like, we talked about it, like, in, in some episodes, you know, recent episodes, like, end of year recaps. Because. I feel like movies like Guardians of the Galaxy like really punched in like the fun factor, mm-hmm. or like even Lego Movie. You know, just movies that are really smart um, in their own respect, but that you think about just a movie going experience, and you think about you know how often do you really just have fun watching a movie without it being really heavy or really sad or like way funny that it's not like really fun. It's just funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like the experience of, of, of seeing it is fun. And John wick is a great example of it because the character, you know, you have, like you said that the extra level of why he needs revenge and the little world that they exist in amongst one another kind of friends, but also enemies never really truly friends. Cause it depends what the bounty is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just looked gorgeous too. Like, you know, it was it's a fun it's a fun movie to watch, and like the action scenes are really well choreographed, and uh, and handled in different settings, like very fluid settings, like going from room to room and level of like level of the hotel to different levels, and like really never stopping, following the action, which is um, 
you know, it's, it's just a really unique thing. And, and not that it's never been done before, but I think the other thing with this movie that really got me when I, I actually saw it in theaters <clears throat> was I don't think anybody really knew a lot about this movie. It's like one of those movies that just like the marketing like really ramped up like the week or two before it came out. Mm-hmm. I saw it and like people loved it at the screening that I did. And I mean, I heard a lot of great word of mouth, but like it never really... I don't feel like they didn't really knew what they had. Like, I think they were just getting this movie out and were kind of surprised that it took off. And now, like, you know, like John said, there's going to be a sequel. And I'm sure that the release on home video is probably going to be pretty successful because a lot of people know about this movie now and, and you know, and want to yeah. see it. But Redbox is going to make this movie kind of rise. Exactly. Then, like, you know, people that eventually. seek it out now because it didn't really... It did well at the box office. It didn't do amazing. Um, you know, it wasn't a movie that had some crazy budget, so I guess it didn't really have to make a ton of money to be successful. But it just feels like a movie that they could have, they really could have probably made a huge splash off of this movie if, yeah. if they would have figured a way to do it. It's almost as though whatever it is that we're ta- we're talking about when we say it, it's simple and what's great about it, it was it was just so sleek and it moved so fast. It's almost as though. Like, isn't it close to 90 minutes or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's quick. It's almost like they didn't know it was good, and if they had known, it would have been two hours and ten minutes, and it would have been bloated, and it would have been overblown. It's, yeah. it, I almost, like, I don't know if the if the sequel can be as much of a discovery. Right. Because this movie's like a shark. It, it just is. never stops. That's a great way to explain it. And, I, you know, I think the fact that it was kind of an afterthought may be why it, it just flows so quickly, and why, yeah. you know, because within minutes, you get the concept. Like, there's a point early in the film... I think it's the main, I can't remember the character's name, but the main gangster that he's going up against, the guy whose son uh, he's he's really Joseph. looking for. Yeah. And when that guy's on the phone and he hears that that his son messed with somebody and he's like, oh, well, what's the problem? And he's like, it's John Wick. And he, say, he just says, oh. <laughs> and so the way they, good. they just kind of lock in for it, you know? And Keanu Reeves actually played that part. That, like you said, Steve, there's fun. There's a built-in humor yep. to... I don't know what what is it is it there's a built-in humor to sort of like I've always thought Keanu Reeves seemed like a swell guy I don't know why but yeah, I've just I always thought so too, he seemed yeah. like a laid-back dude and he seemed Absolutely. like a regular a regular person and something about seeing that guy bring that energy that he has to this Terminator like character it was yeah there was there's something inherent the friction of that is inherently funny there yeah. was something that was just a pleasure maybe it was being reminded that he's fun to watch yeah. you know I don't know if I've seen him in a movie recently um, that really stood out, and I know he's got another one coming out that was at Sundance. That movie, Knock Knock. Oh right, I think yeah. it was a Sundance. Is it the horror film that's yeah. about to yeah. come out? Oh. No, no. Uh, it's, not like the... really. it's like the the two girls like his family's away. You know, he he's home alone. These two girls. The Eli Roth the movie. Yeah, I it's think this thriller, be like thriller, a thriller, thriller, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I want to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like that just feels like again, it feels like a step in that. You know, he maybe he's just, one of those people that's going to have a, a run of interesting movies because yeah. I feel like. That'd I mean, am, am, am I wrong that he's been kind of gone for a been, while? He's been kind of gone for a he's while. He's been in things here and there, but nothing that has has stuck. You know, nothing that really caught on at the box office or really had people talking like you're yeah. talking right now. He had like a CGI fest uh, uh, action movie a couple of years ago, didn't he? Oh yeah, like the, a, the, the the Ronin. Ugh. 20, 47, 47 Ronin. Something, something, seven Ronin. I, I think that this movie... <laughs> something, did, something, seven Ronin. Seven Ronin. This movie didn't do... Two score and seven Ronin, I think is what they call it. <laughs> this movie didn't do super well because it... it I think that the whole action movie model was mm-hmm. a big thing in the 90s. And studios used to really champion them. But like I feel like there aren't a lot, and it's really hard you're, pitch. You know, that's really that's a good point. It's a hard pitch. You're now. right. They're, it's like hard. Like oh, one person is going to be the star of this movie. It's not an ensemble. I mean, like there. Are, I mean, let's, let's no, you're right. Lesser characters are really big people. I mean, in in the acting world, but in general, selling a movie with one person kind of 
chopping, mowing down a bunch of people is a really hard sell these days. If you're not Liam Neeson, yeah, in a straight up action understand. movie, yeah. it's they don't. I don't think they know what to do with him anymore. He, well, he, you've got like Liam Neeson, and then maybe a few steps down, you got like Jason Statham. Sure, yeah. sure. somewhere around there, got, Vin, Vin he, Diesel hovers around. He's got like the home box office. Like his movies yeah. never go crazy at the at the theater. But Jason Statham movies, the reason he keeps making them because they're they don't make, spend a lot of money. They look great in terms of action. Yeah. And they they kill on like like Ron said like Redbox and home video and video on demand like those movies are huge because yeah. like I think the, maybe it's that the audience for those movies aren't going to theaters to see those movies. Yeah, I don't think like they maybe are. they just want to watch them at home. I think I don't I, know. There, there's something really amazing about <clears throat> that sort of water cooler talk where right. you're talking to somebody and they're like, man, well, me and the wife are hanging out tonight, right. and you go, have you seen John Wick? They're like, well, who, what the fuck is John? Yeah. John Wick. John Wick, the movie about... You know, and, and he, You're right. You're that, right. That, that sort of culture is changing, man. And people are... It's almost getting back almost to the whole blockbuster sort of culture where you, like, you're at home, you want to go get a movie, mm-hmm. you go to Redbox, you get a great movie, you sit down and kind of rant it, yeah. about it on the internet after you see it. Even someone who doesn't like action movies or particularly think of themselves as enjoying violence, I think can enjoy it when it's a fun ride. Totally. And this movie hits that spot. Like, I'm not a huge... I was, you know, I, lately I've actually become a bigger fan of action movies just in theory because I do think a really well-made one... There's a certain visual poetry to it. Yeah. And it has to work. It has yeah. to flow. It can't be like other movies that you see where they, they move and certain things work and certain things don't. If an action movie isn't like moving on all cylinders yeah. like clockwork, it, then it 13, 14, 15 minutes in, you start to get tired yeah. and, and halfway in, you don't care. But a really good one, you just get more and more yeah. at the edge of your seat. And it's I think John Wick is one of those yeah. that just that accelerates. And I think that a lot of people would have fun with this. Again, it's the, the revenge aspect, the reason for the revenge. The fun of seeing Keanu Reeves, yeah, it's yeah. a. Let's not forget that scene. It's when a just, recommend. I when think. he just does like the donuts in his racing <laughs> car yeah. for no reason. He just drives to like the truck yard yeah. or the the air base, whatever it That's was. Like and a five just like does scene. like it's like, yeah, it's like a three or four minute <laughs> scene where he's just like <laughs> doing donuts in his car, letting out his aggression. Like I like it. I like, I like it. it. I like it a lot. There's something very drivey about that scene too. Yeah, like, no, that's, that's, like, a, that's a fun scene. No yeah, I was gonna scene. just say that movie has 83 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Certified fresh. Made for twenty million, made forty something at the box office, oh, so that's good, you yeah. know. And it's going to definitely be a franchise, I think. So I don't know. Definitely check out John Wick. That action movie thing is kind of how I feel about horror. I it was like that with John. I, I, uh, so both of you like horror, and I didn't. So there were there's just a pool of shitty horror movies. Right, right. So it wasn't until I started talking to guys like you, and and started like kind of picking out the ones that were good and I was like oh maybe I I've all, maybe I just like good stories maybe yeah, I like good yeah. horror films something beneath it yeah, yeah. well I think that you know it's funny that you mentioned that because I had one of my best friends that I would sit down and watch movies with was not a horror guy but he was an action guy mm-hmm. and we found a lot of common ground in like certain things that I loved because it nodded to I mean I again I've always liked action in films but I think when you go for a genre horror was a genre that I was willing to say I'm going to take all the bad to get to the good sure but with martial arts or action films, I just never did that. But a person that loved martial arts films, yeah. you know what I'm saying, is going to look at horror maybe the way that I look at those films, which is to say, boy, there seems like a lot of bad ones and I can't tell. <laughs> but I'm happy to watch, you know, Hatchet Man number five on Netflix <laughs> right. on the off chance that it's going to be something yeah. memorable. And, you know, sometimes they will be. But a lot of times, you know, like, I, I just logged in for this genre. Uh, and action, yeah, they're, they're very similar. They're supposed to do a very specific thing, and you can tell if they're working or not, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I don't know that I've thought about that with regards to action, but yeah, John Wick feels like a throwback for that reason, 
in a similar way, but a much more sleek way to the way that like Jack Reacher felt like a throwback to those 90s same thing. action films. Yeah. But both of them, are, are you thrilled to the moments where the hero's outmatched and he just kicks everybody's ass, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it every time. Well, since we're talking about a film that was super fun to watch, I will, will uh, go over a film that I did not find fun to watch. Oh! It was a comedy uh, written and directed by David Cross called Ooh. Hits. Not good, huh? Not good? I won't say not good. I will say it's one of those satires that is so full of unpleasant characters that the filmmaker hates that it just was chokingly negative. Uh, or not chokingly negative, but like... I mean, I'm a cynical guy when it comes to a lot of things that are going on in our society, but I think David Cross is like way more cynical than I am. And there was just nobody that I felt like he really liked in this movie. And I'm sure he would say, well, I'm not trying to make it a pleasurable experience. Right. But you've got people like Matt Walsh in a, in a lead role, a rare lead-ish role. And you've got James Adomian, who you may know from like sketch and comedy. I don't know if you know him, Steve, mm -hmm. but he's mm -hmm. a... He's, you know, he's a funny improv guy who does a lot of great characters on shows like Comedy Bang Bang, mm -hmm. the podcast and the TV show. Um... And he, he's good. Matt Walsh is good. The actress who plays the lead, I'm going to pull up her name here, uh, Meredith Hackner. She plays the lead character in it. She's good. Uh, the, the movie's just kind of unpleasant because of that. I, mean, I don't know if you can think of that type of movie where it's just taking aim at everybody to such an extent that it's not particularly funny. Mm. And it's got a lot of commentary about like the cheapness of fame. I mean, the name hits sort of applies more to the concept of like hits online, like viral video hits, rather than like hit songs. Although there is a character who the lead character does sort of fat, fancy herself to be a singer, and she wants to go on The Voice, and she you know fantasizes these <clears throat> fantasizes these interviews with Ellen, <laughs> and you know a lot of that stuff is funny. And again, it's it's not like it's devoid of of quality and it's actually pretty nice looking a lot of times these movies that are made uh, with uh, i think this was uh, kickstarter, kickstarter funded yep. a lot of times those films like i remember veronica mars looked almost like a real movie like i don't know if you know what i mean but like the yep. lighting or something it felt yep. like it was a low budget film this felt like it had a certain level of production value and again the performances are good it's just the script it's like there was really nothing to hang on to it gets around to a pretty interesting uh, climax that that does pack a punch in a way, but by that time I was really just watching it to see what would happen, and I didn't have, I don't know. Sometimes if somebody seems like they're just angry about everything, like David Cross just seems like he's angry about our culture and angry about you know viral fame, and he's angry about people who want to be famous without ever having accomplished anything, and he's angry about all these trends, and he thinks Brooklyn hipsters are awful, and he thinks small town people are awful, and he thinks young people are awful, and he thinks middle aged yeah. people are awful, and it just it felt to me like he didn't have anything new to say about the situation except. Yeah. Uh, to just sort of spew bile. And the one thing that might have redeemed that would have been some really, really funny material, but it just wasn't hitting, you know, my funny bone almost at all. But I, oh. you know, I, ma I managed to sit through it, but it felt like a kind of a, I don't know, for me it was a, I guess on our scale, yeah, I would say if you're curious, wait for it, but since it's already available online, I mean, it's it's on Google Play and Amazon Prime and uh, iTunes, you know, I would say... Uh, me? Do we have a meh? We don't really have a meh. <laughs> we have wait for it, wait we have go it. ahead, and then we have hold up. I think this is a hold up. I mean, I would say unless, like me, you're just curious to see what David Cross is cooking up. It is not brain dead. It's not It's not poorly made in any way, which I do think is is a, a huge accomplishment a lot of times for these indie films, you know, that feel like they were made without a lot of, uh, a lot of cinematic sense. This is a well-made movie, but it just, yeah. Not a pleasure to sit through. And I saw an interview where he was talking about how he hates all the characters in the film. So I don't think I'm wrong <laughs> about Sheesh. that. 
And I think that, I don't know, I feel like that can be kind of unpleasant to watch. You yeah, know? I heard him on a, like a SiriusXM interview, and he, yeah, he just has, he just, just tears up every every stereotype that you would see in that movie. I, I don't Which, really I don't, understand I don't him as a, as a, I don't know, man. Like that's I met of, him one time. He seems like, I don't know. He was like, nice. He was weird, but he was nice. Well, I think he seems really, I love his performances in certain things. Like I think Tobias Funke is a great yes. performance. And um, and I think he was great on Mr. Show, and I think some of his stand-up is funny, but I do think he's more angry than funny. Mm. Um, I'll throw out a movie that, uh, just to kind of keep on with, uh, uh, what was it? Wait for it? No. Hold up. Hold up. I have a, I have a, uh, a trio of hold-ups. Okay. Oh, really? Wow. I'm going to just, you know, just throw them knock them down real quick. Just yeah. peg them real quick. Um, Mordecai. Johnny Depp. Why did you see that movie? I get paid to. Ah, so there you go. Okay. There's your answer. <laughs> um, not funny, horrible. Johnny Depp. We talked just briefly over like Messenger one day. I was thinking about it, and it's just like we talked about him so much, but I, it just it really bothers me because I feel like there's something that that he has something, but it's like there's a comfort level, there's a just lay back and just let it happen that he has going on in his life, and it's been like that for a long time. Um, I just couldn't help but think after seeing that movie, like, what if he was working for a director that wouldn't let him do that? Yeah. You know, or that wasn't, like, his friend, like a Tim Burton, or, or like, somebody he's, you know, regularly works with who just, like, lets him settle into that stuff. Um, and, like, we were throwing names around, but, you know, somebody that would just match his stature in terms of what kind of power he has, you yeah. know what I mean? Because I think that's what kind of is becoming his... His downfall, in my opinion, is just that, like, I think he gets into these, like, stupid roles where he just goes all out and is, like, completely, in, in his mind, like, lost in the character. But to me, watching it, all I see is Johnny Depp acting like an idiot. You know what I mean? And to see maybe him work with a director that wouldn't allow him to do that would, like, basically call him out on his shit or, like, force him to do something that he's not comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the only way I Someone ever like see Someone like Kevin him. Smith. Yeah, right. Someone who could really <laughs> wrestle a great right. performance. Yeah, he really just really just held him down. Someone and, who gets that career high performance yeah. out of every yeah. actor that every he comes actor. in contact with. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was a horrible movie, Mordecai. Yeah, I someone mean, needs to tell him to stop. So fucking bad. Like someone, you're right. Someone needs to be on I'll, set. To I'll say, gladly do to it. Say, what is that? If, if what is that you're doing? Contact with it. What is that you're doing? Right. Johnny? Somebody like I was. I was reading an interview, and this is what sparked me talking to you guys about it. And it was like. It, the interview was just about like where he's gone, you know, and it was somebody like really criticizing this movie, you know, because it's it's like a big flop and it's critically panned. But you know, just like where he's gone in his headspace of like why he thinks it's okay to keep doing this. Like globally, he was one of the biggest box office stars, and and still is because of the pirates um, franchise and some of the Disney properties he's done. But I mean, like, what else can you point to and say? it's okay to continue to do this because you're not that guy anymore. You know, you're not a viable name anymore, really, unless you're in Jack Sparrow's costume, you know, or you're in a property that's a remake or built off of a Disney, you know, property, whatever it might be. But it was an interesting point because you really do think about directors that you, you almost hear about those directors that are really hard to work with. Yeah. Like those guys or, or women that just would like, either take after take after take or like they change their mind after everything and they really force that actor or actress to really be uncomfortable and like to to get out of a flow mm -hmm. and and to really like be uncomfortable and really probably frustrated i'm i'm sure at times like people like david fincher you always hear about like you know in, in commentary tracks interviews like how he just shoots so many takes of a certain shot like over and like to to just 
exhaustion. You used to hear that about Oliver Stone, too, yeah. that he would do things to, like, like control and manipulate and try to get exactly. real emotions out of the actors, which, again, that stuff sounds kind of jerky, but at the same time, maybe you need someone like that to shake you out of whatever complacency he's in. Because you're right, someone who tries as many wacky things as he tries, you wouldn't want to say is lazy or complacent, but somehow it's the... I mean, I know it said it when we were talking about Tusk, but it's like he's got a, a, a box of characters with different hats and makeup and yeah. big noses and mustaches, and he's just running out of tricks. He's yeah. like, I mean, I don't yeah. think he's that chameleonic of an actor, and somehow he's gotten it in his head that he is, and he's going to transform himself for every role. Yeah, and there's no know. center that holds there anymore. Yeah. I heard someone say that he, he was his son was watching the, the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and he said to him, just in his mind, he realized... I, if I were to tell my son when he grows up that we once thought Johnny Depp was one of the finest actors of his generation, he won't believe me. Right. You oh, know? Yeah. Yeah. Like 10 years from totally. now, it seems like he will be that guy that pops up in everything. I mean, maybe that'll be the joke about him. It's just that, uh, like, how many movies is he? Because he does seem to do a lot. Yeah, he does. Maybe that's what he needs to do. I, I like, think, pull a Daniel Day-Lewis, go away, and like... I think he's got... It's Well, it's the machine of his success that's that's the issue. Like... You you can't tell a person that's gross that much money that he can't do something. But it seems like a flash in the pan now because he's had so I many know, flops but, in a row. Right, but those know? don't matter. Like he'll say, yeah. "Well, what about pirates?" But I think I two two directors come to mind. Yeah, who is who's that? Quentin agreed. Yeah, David O. Russell. Okay. Okay. The I, reason I say that is, have you ever heard any of the, the stories about him being a dick? Oh, to I have. People? Oh, yeah. I, I think that he would force that man to kind of reel it in. Like, he'd, he'd shave down all that shit and say... David O. Russell needs to cast... He needs to do another one with Christian Bale mm -hmm. and Johnny Depp. So that way, both of them can yell at him. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. It can be a mashup of the uh, I Heart Huckabee's uh, Meltdown and the uh, Terminator. Because I could meltdown. picture Johnny Depp in any of those movies that David O. Russell's made in the last couple of years. You could it, or could not? I could. Oh, okay. If, See, I picture if, him stinking him up, though. If At this point, to, it's hard for me to picture... That's, yeah, that's like, what role would he have in any of those films where he wouldn't <laughs> suck? Stinking it up. God damn it, man. I mean, I hate to say it. I think he could do it. I think... I think, But, I mean, you're right, though. It's this... Is that... It's it's just you know he's kind of punched his ticket, mm -hmm. you know. So the only the only thing that will stop that is a studio and a well you say director, but it's also got to be a studio that puts the director in that kind of power position because yeah. you know we don't know like what kind of contracts they sign, you know what kind of say he has. Yeah. But you know somebody like Quentin Tarantino even you know somebody that just is completely has no filter for saying like that fucking sucked. Quentin like, would give fire me a different him. you know give me a different him. thing. I'll go a different direction. Someone uh, who might do for him what the what the what the Tim Burton kind of imagination factory used to do, which was give him like something in which to play a larger than life character. Mm, okay, the Coen Brothers. Oh wow, not bad. You know, I mean, they could yeah. get him, give yeah. him a get like, and they do well with let's put some fake teeth and and a funny yeah. haircut on this character and or, make it interesting. Or you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. he could do something kind of broad with them, but something focused because I don't think they let actors get away with a lot of vamping and right. running around. But maybe he, you know, sure, maybe sure. he wants to be shot from Dutch angles and, and yeah. look bizarre and be a little grotesque. So yeah, let let be truly grotesque or somebody like. Somebody that would push him to be something so. I love this game, by the way. Emotionally strange. <laughs> no, I mean, this, this is where he's at, though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good point. Steve I mean, McQueen. The reason I say that is he pushes people to get these, like, um, hone in these emotional sort of. And you know, the, the common thread that we're talking are 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 very well uh, proven directors. Yeah. You know, like. 
people that have cut their teeth, that have been Oscar nominated, that have been critically, mm-hmm. you know, have had great success and and demand respect from their cast. Yeah. If you look at the movies that he's made over the last few years that aren't franchise films, every director he's worked with is a guy you've never heard of. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, you, or if you have the movies that he or she have done are not movies that you you know I don't want to I don't want to be a jerk but not, not movies that you respect or like or no, really you're saying. attribute yeah. any kind of um ad- admiration towards like you you talk about people that you know in 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 a in a similar but different way have gotten to the point that they can demand as much as he can yeah. you know not maybe dollar for dollar but maybe statue for statue when you're talking about Steve McQueen well, and you're me, talking about David Fincher or the yeah. Coen brothers. When you, and also you talk about Tarantino, you talk about a guy who specializes in career rehabilitation. Exactly. So yeah. like maybe you go to a director like that because you're thinking, I want, I want the cachet of this director on me. And, and you do something that, you know, instead of, like you said, people that clearly are probably like, oh, we got Johnny Depp. Oh, it means we got the financing? Right. Okay, well, right. I guess we'll put up with whatever... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever yeah. he brings to the I just want to see set. him in a movie where he's not like a character, like yeah. like like a yeah. like an inflated character. Like the best thing for me that he's done in the longest time was his cameo in Twenty One Jump Street. I was thinking the same thing. Like, cause you know he's a character. He's dressed mm-hmm. up. He's got his little outfit on, like John says. Yeah. But like you know when he takes it off, he's just like, you know, he's a cop just being, a, you know, he's pissed. Right. You know, I just want to see him just act and just like look like Johnny Depp looks and just be a character in this yeah. story. Not a character in your mind that you're finally realizing because they gave you a box of toys to play with. Yeah. It's just, you know, Mordecai, horrible. So we were supposed to blow through these hold ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let so. me blow through the other All two right. because they don't. Oh, well, maybe you might want to jump on one of them. But uh, Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> Didn't see. Don't. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you could probably see. I'd say see it at home because I know that mm-hmm. you'd be interested just to experience it. So yeah. go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. But everybody out there, everybody else that isn't like. I think I don't want to say as forgiving as more so as interested in yeah. it as you guys are. Um, what is the scale again? I keep forgetting. Hold up, <laughs> hold up, hold up. Hold up. That's it. Wait hold for it, go on. Ahead. Wait for it. Yeah, no, hold up. And then we added you were warned at the <laughs> bottom end of the spectrum. Is this the, as bad the, as the you very were... bottom? Yeah, last a couple. I... This, I mean, is all this three of these, yeah. all three of these go between the hold up and the you were yeah. warned. So yeah. you didn't like Channing Tatum and Alfie. is horrible, dude. Horrible. Al Fears on Channing Tatum. Some of the action and some of the CGI actually is really cool. Like some mm. of the world creation that they have. Right. Um, some of those like set pieces are actually pretty impressive because I think the Wachowskis like have a, a visual style and flair that works sometimes. Um, but are but, they ever going to get this kind of budget again? No. No. I, I can't see it. It's I mean, done. like I don't, I don't know how. I mean, unless they're getting it. I mean, because they get like financing from like all these random like foreign subsidiaries like they're getting money from all over the place i don't know how they get these movies made right but i mean they get money but i, I can't see a studio putting money into this anymore or into them anymore wow. uh it's a mess like story-wise it's it a mess fun to watch Tonal- no i i so it I wasn't that kind of fun I, it wasn't like b-movie schlock fun i did not have that no I mean, some people made a comment like that in the crowd that i saw it in that it kind of was so bad it was fun mm-hmm. but i didn't i didn't feel that way yeah. I, I i literally wanted to leave um Horribly miscast in every compare every role. It, compare it to um, John Carter. I actually enjoyed John Carter. Oh, okay, okay, no, I like I like John Carter too, but yeah, it had no. that it had that kind of pulpy schlocky yes, thing going. But that for was it. a different. Yeah, okay. this is this is worse than that. In my so opinion. it's not not fun like John Carter. Something else. Not in my yeah. opinion. No. <laughs> not like not fun like Taylor Kitsch's greatest on screen performance. Exactly. John Carter. Exactly. Uh, and the the other one, the hat trick to round out these horrible <laughs> films would be Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, which um, I really wanted to see that. Was... Which so I'm I'm down to see any movie. Obviously, I'm talking about some horrible movies right now. 
I will. I try to see almost everything that I can get that I can get access to. Yeah. And I'm intrigued enough by this cultural phenomenon. I work for a company that puts this book out, the mm-hmm. series of books out, and I was very interested, giving it benefit of the doubt, even though everything I'd heard leading up to it was that you know it was a mess during production. The people have no chemistry. They no hate chemistry. each other. Yeah. The director and writer of the book were at, at 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 each other's throats the entire time of the movie. You know who got the say on how the movie ended? Well, it went to the author and not the director. Mm-hmm. You know, just things like that, just like really kind of lowered my expectations more. You know, I was like, okay, well maybe I'll just enjoy it. This movie is a train wreck. Like, it was so bad. <laughs> is that bad? It, it's laughably bad. And, like, mm. reading more about these books after the fact, like, learning that they're basically spinoffs of Twilight fan fiction. Yeah, Twilight yes, fan. it was a Twilight... It was Twilight fan fiction that was turned into... No idea. I did novels, not know that yes. going into it. But knowing that, it makes sense to me why it's, like, so laughable on the screen. Like, there are moments... This You know, this is a sold-out theater. Tons of people... Um, laughing at parts of a movie that aren't supposed to be laughed at. That oh. are supposed to be... Like aggressively sexy or like kinky or you know this this sexy vibe this movie's supposed to have on display from beginning to end, and people are just like laughing at it. I had heard that the kinkiness isn't even really that kinky. It's not. It's not. There are movies out there that are way sexier, way kinkier, way more risque than this than this book to film has. Because something kind of campy and to. sexy with you know what I mean. I think we would all enjoy a film that was like campy and sexy and knowing yeah. if it had like playful because se- I think here's the thing I think that like Hollywood's depiction of sex is so tame compared to what most average people are into and accepting of right. and I th- when I heard there was going to be a movie that was going to like mainstream BDSM I was like oh that that makes it sound kind of interesting but then I've heard several people say that movies like uh, I mean not that these are great films to me but that movies of the past that have like the, like nine and a half weeks and that sort of thing Body Heat that those movies are still more Kind of daring secretary. Secretary. Well, secretary was great. Um, the other thing I noticed about this film, I was at the theater seeing something else, and I saw, and it was, it just reminded me of any time I've been at the theater around one of the big, um, like Guardians of the Galaxy releases or X Men movie, yeah. and you look around and you see a bunch of bearded dudes, yeah. and you see a bunch of youngish, comic book looking fellas. There were so many women with the uh, leggings. And the Uggs and the padded vests yes. and the fur collars and it was just it was just alive with the, like the the whole place was alive with milfs yeah yeah that was That's so it. funny to it's me and I, I was moderately annoyed for a second but then I was like wait a minute I don't I don't normally think about it as as pejoratively when it's a bunch of movie buff nerdy yeah, looking God, guys yeah. there uh, so it's like okay this but it just made me think it's so funny when you go to the movie and you can tell these are people who probably don't go see the latest movie every weekend but they were there and I remember seeing on Facebook girls I know posting uh uh like weeks in advance got my tickets so it's it is interesting what a phenomenon this is yeah. that this movie may have a kind of heft behind it because there is a built-in audience that I do think is largely women it is yeah um but I guess what I'm saying is in the end it, you're saying it's worse of a movie than than a lot of those big summer tentpole movies that are fun because of the fan base, but they're not really that great cinematically. You're saying this isn't doesn't live to the standard of like an average. I don't think so. I mean, now I'm at the disadvantage of not being a built-in fan of this book and right. not being as apologetic as some of these people probably are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that's that's totally fine. No judgment. You know, if you enjoy the film, that's the great thing about movies. You can love it, and I can hate it. Yeah. And I'm not going to judge you for for that, but. You know, just going in and experiencing this movie as a as a clean slate, as just a movie goer, you know, mm-hmm. not being sold on it prior to seeing it, it just is, a, it's a wreck. I mean, like, you were just kind of getting into it. Like, none of the, the sex scenes are, some of them are sexy 
<clears throat> they're a little drawn out. They they kind of incorporate some of this bondage stuff, and that's kind of what the risque element of this movie is. And how how is it rated R? There breasts in it. I, there's I there's, there's boobs. Oh, okay, there's that's boobs it. in it, Jesus. and you know there's there's body nudity, but you know all you really see is her her boobs and a little bit of her another regions. But nothing like straight up, you know. I might be more interested in seeing this than I thought. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean that that. But I think that is not unique though. Yeah. No, which no, is no, what no. kills right. me. Like there are movies like the movie I thought of immediately that immediately I was like, you want to see something that's thematically not as like positive, I guess, because they're not like, you know, there's there's a bit of infidelity in this film. I'm going to reference. But if you've ever seen Unfaithful with Diane Lane, yeah. like that movie is way sexier and way more risque. Way more kinky than this movie could ever aspire to be, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. this is like Diane Lane, who shot that movie when she was in her like late forties or mid forties. Yeah. Like, and yeah. then she's hot as hell. And this movie like doesn't even it doesn't even like in- elicit any reaction from me as a man, even with a beautiful woman on the screen. Yeah. And not that I'm into that at all, but a beautiful woman on the sp- on the screen being dominated by this guy, like mm-hmm. this rich, attractive just demanding all powerful guy and you know and it some of it actually began to bother me in the movie a little bit about how the meaning it began to feel mm-hmm. towards the female character and that just made me go in this whole rabbit hole of like how can women I mean is is it about women love em- this movie is it about women embracing that fantasy of of being submissive or something or is it I is guess, it a I certain mean, time I mean I guess I've well, heard I've, the, I've heard he's incredibly well, wooden and that she's actually not bad is what I heard yeah. She's the better thing about the film. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's very good, but she's way better than he is. I think they're both miscast. Mm-hmm. I think he's horrible. I like him from other shows I've seen him on, but he's horrible in this film. Very miscast. His accent is horrible. You can feel it bleeding through. Like he's like British or Welsh or something. Oh, and right. and he's just stoic. He's like it's not it's mm. not a sexy stoic. It's not like a confident like I'm just that guy who does what I want kind of stoic. He's just like stiff. Like, he doesn't really flow. They don't have any chemistry. She is cute in scenes because, like, she kind of plays the, like, you know, the introverted, like, she's, you know, the, the virgin yeah. who's, like, just kind of opening up to this, not only opening up to a sex- sexual experience, but, like, the the extremes of the sexual world in some ways right. immediately. And, like, she kind of plays that kind of fun in a few scenes, like, kind of. Did she sign the not- contract? Huh? Did she sign the contract? Do you want to know? I saw the movie. I mean, oh. I read the book. Oh, you do? I read the book and the second no, book. No, they don't. She doesn't sign anything. She doesn't sign. Like at a point in the movie, she's like, "Does it really matter?" And oh, yeah, they, yeah. they don't sign. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so. Like she just, I don't know. It just, I don't want to ramble. But this movie is a mess to me. Like, it's laughable. It's the ending is feels off. I mean, so it's the first part of a trilogy. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I wonder if all audience. I mean, I guess most people that are clamoring to see this read the book. Yeah. But I wonder how many people are accustomed to going to see like a romance that ends on a. Like a cliffhanger of sorts. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a sort of cliffhanger, you mm-hmm. know. And I think the way it ends is what, like, not the actual ending of the movie, but just like the lead up to the end. Like, it just felt so out of place to me that I. It, and it's one of the things that bothers that began to bother me more about, like, what the movie or what the books are saying about how women are treated or yeah. could be treated or mm-hmm. or secretly want to be treated or fantasize of you know whatever whatever <laughs> word you want to use. There's definitely I definitely take a, a slight issue with some of this movie like yeah you know like there's I don't know much about the BDSM world or anything like that but um, well the one of the messages in the real in the book was basically the idea that like despite the fact that she was in a situation where she's being dominated she realized that there was a lot of power 
in the situation that she had that yeah. she didn't that at first it seemed like he had all the power right and then she kind of figures out during the course of that and you get that you get and that, that's the part of the end of another movie that i feel like was bothering me because like the last five minutes is where you start to realize that she begins to think that she has some power because like mm-hmm. you see him changing a little bit mm-hmm. like the whole time she kind of wants this relationship she doesn't understand why they can't just have a real relationship if they like one another, but like he's very averse to like having a relationship. He only wants this kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is the contract that Ronald's talking about. And you know, she gets a hint of like him changing and that she does have some sort of power. But the last five minutes is like, you know, the scene like where he's like he's like like whipping her like mm-hmm. six times and making her count it down. Mm-hmm. And like she basically loses control of that situation. Like she's counting, but like he just completely just takes over you know like there's just a weird there's a weird dynamic change in that scene that really bothered me because then right afterwards she walks out and like that in the movie and, and he and she tells him to stop and that's how the movie cuts to black you know okay but roll credits yeah roll credits and Sheesh. i mean that's the cliffhanger but apparently that's similar to how the book ends yeah. but i don't know like I, I don't i don't know i don't i don't know how to do it without rambling but i something just really didn't sit right with me in like in in, in the whole like how how is how is it attractive to women you know or how is it yeah. eternal and like i can i understand fantasy i understand like you know everybody's got their idea of like something that they would love to do in life whether it be like with your with your career or with you know your sex life whatever it might be yeah. and there's tons of fantasy in, in the sexual realm but like it's just this is not like there there's not a lot of flexibility in what she's going into in this like right. it's it's literally like you know a guy that is telling her everything she has to do a guy that's following her across the country a guy that's calling her places mm-hmm. that she doesn't even know how he found he's her like there up, yeah. and he's like it's kind of almost like a stalker you know and yeah. that just was it, it was just weird to me and may, maybe women you know maybe the maybe that the attention that that kind of constant attention always wanting to be with you around you talking to you knowing where you are maybe that's like Maybe I feel so p- old-fashioned to think that women that that's what they want. Like yeah. you know, that, I, that's it. That's I feel like I mean. the modern woman that I know, the modern feminist that I know, like rejects that idea. Right. That you have to want. Like the, I guess what I'm saying is, it seems to me that there's a lot that happens when you close the the bedroom door, and you unless you like to leave it open, and you're, if you're that kind of pervert. <laughs> um, but like that when you do that, there's a lot that can be negotiated in that space. That doesn't mean this is how we enter into this relationship with this understanding that someone's being bossed around. Exactly. There's a lot of, hey, now let me be you yep. know, the underhand, yep. the upper hand, the whatever. Like, I'm yeah. feeling this. I'm feeling that. Like, there's a lot of flip it over, whatever, you know, yeah. like <laughs> that happens in the moment. But it's yeah. not like negotiated in that way that, like you said, feels like it would be very de- dehumanizing yeah. to anybody entering into that. Now, again, I understand that that BDSM is is a lot of people will say. Yeah, they it, they experience it in a very healthy way, a very controlled way. But it still sounds like what you're saying is when when it's a woman entering into that submissive role, there feels like there's something sort of, I don't know, retrograde in in, in, a, in a really negative way that's, about that. that. That's that's what I'm trying to say exactly. Yeah. And I think in those situations where the people that maybe live that life, that that part of their life is just that. It's a part of their life, right? You know, and and their sexual outlet. But like in this movie, I just feel like the girl like. Anastasia and Christian, like their their interaction, even in daylight, walking mm-hmm. around a park, walking through a hardware store, like it 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 like it infiltrates every part of the conversation yeah, that they have right. through the whole story. He's always like telling her what to do and how to do it, and and 
you know, almost, you know, ordering her around. It, it, it was weird. Like, there's some moments where she kind of pushes back and kind of gets into what Ronald was saying. But maybe it's something that's explored more in later books. I don't mm-hmm. know or care. But, you know, just as a standalone thing, it just seems like it's very confusing to me as, as to what is the fantasy of this. Besides, he's like a super attractive, rich guy who mm-hmm. has access to everything in the world. That's sexy, I guess. But, mm-hmm. you know, beyond that, I'm not sure I, I get it. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm missing something. I, I know I'm not conf- alone because I've read a lot of stuff about like this whole demeaning part that I'm trying to yeah. articulate. But... Turn around, I'm gonna tickle you with a peacock feather. <laughs> I think, it's, and we're I gonna think see it... if you like. We'll start you off start with a peacock slow. feather. Yeah. I like your very. Gentle you know what? Gentle. Actually, I'll tickle your ass with some veggie straws. <laughs> use the red one though. Okay. I think it's the, the conflict. The, the mystery one. I'll bite this one in half and then I'll use the half. Ooh. The conflict of it, the bad boy element. Yeah. I mean, I, I. Okay, so I'll say this. I'm, how do I say? Are you this? actually? About I, to eat a mouthful of veggie straws no, while I, you're in the middle of a sentence. How do I say I've this heard the books were horrible, a, though. The, the, like, I the mean, source material I've heard was really bad. But it's just, like, a super cultural phenomenon. Well, the thing is, the thing is, they are. But but the but the issue is, a lot of things don't get to the point quite like it. Sure. That, so that's I, the issue. So like, it's I, like, I will give the movie that. Yeah, so, like... Is that it gets to it. Yeah, it's like, it's like a conversation you have with somebody that's smart, right? So they're like... Well, the demographic. You're like, so what the fuck are you talking? Oh, it has to do with people being fucked over. Yeah. Shorten it for me, and that's what the, that's what the book does. It simplifies it in almost like a, almost like a fifth grade level. Hence like, the Twilight fanfiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It. It's it's. I mean, I've heard it's poorly written, but I heard someone say that I've it's read like way, I've that read it's like cleverly worse. put together. It but is. It's, I mean, but like, it's poorly written. The, is what the, I heard. The thing is, I don't. I've read like what's considered like really good books and mm-hmm. really bad books, and honestly, if I get to a place emotionally, it doesn't matter. Sure, like if, if that's what it is. Yeah, I got you. Um, but they are poorly written. Don't get make no mistake about yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's kind of. And they really do. But the thing is, it t- the reason why I read the first one and the second one is I've never read of all the books I've read, all the comic books I've read, I've never read a book that really got to it as quickly or as well. As this one did, and and I've heard it's very detailed. Yeah, and, it's yeah. Cr- it's weird. It's it gets to the point. It it moves sure. the story along, and you're like, holy shit! I've read the whole book, and I want to read another one. Sure, not and it's sense. not that, and I think that's kind of the allure of it too. The fact that you can tell somebody that they're like, oh, this this movie shittily written, but it's probably one of the better books I've ever read. It's a strange, it's a strange yeah, duality. You. you you just get sucked into. Yeah, it. Yeah, you get sucked into it. I mean. So it is. It's bad. It's a bad. I, don't know, I just. It, I'm not the target for this movie, obviously. Mm, yeah. But I mean, you know, seeing it with a group of people that were the target. I mean, people come out like, you know, oh, that was great. That was great. So obviously, I'm not getting what they're already sold on, and um, viewing it with a different set of eyes. But it just did not sit right with me at all. What about the whole thing about numbers, man? This is the thing that's starting to bother me. Like the whole, we talk about this a lot. The whole idea that no matter how shitty a movie is, right? If it does big numbers, it's gonna get made. Like it's it's gonna it it, it did really well. Mm-hmm. It's gonna do really well internationally. Mm-hmm. So the, it's just a numbers game at this point. So it doesn't matter. That's the that's the part that bothers me. Well, this so has this this has that roll up though already for it, which is that like you know it was like one of the biggest books yeah, of all time. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's gonna I mean be... the movie. You know, even if it drops off sixty percent next weekend or seventy yeah. percent next weekend, it will the movie globally money. will still clear like half a billion dollars. You yeah, know? it made like a quarter of a billion dollars this past week. You know, an opening weekend, and it fell on Valentine's Day. It's you know, like it's all good this timing. Perfect, it's, it's great yeah. marketing, and um, but you can't deny. I mean, I don't care how much. I mean, I don't know. I would challenge anybody that would say they 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 still really love the movie 
the the standout thing for me was like you cannot honestly tell me that you think that those two had chemistry together though. <laughs> it doesn't That's look like a glaring thing for me that just like which should be the premise the whole thing is built on. Absolutely. And how could they with all this build up with all these millions with all this whatever how could they end up with two unknown essentially unknown actors who have no chemistry? Mm-hmm. I can't I can't validate it. I don't know. They they do not. And I'm, and if you like pull up like some YouTube clips of them doing their press rounds the week of like there was tons of articles coming out the week that this movie opened about how like they did not get along yeah. even in really? the press stuff. Like there's a tons of like there's a there's a really cool BuzzFeed thing that they posted it was a like kind of like a, a rapid fire question question and answer thing they did with the two of them sitting next to one another and like they're not like laughing at each other. Like they're trying to be funny with their responses and like neither one of them are like laughing. Neither one of them are like looking at each other. They're not it's supporting really, each other. It's really awkward, you yeah. know, and it's just really weird and, and that just like that kills it for me. Yeah. Like, you know, even if you wanted to like use it with the book, even though you know something's bad about it, you buy into it because you're just yeah. you're just rolling with it. I could probably do that with a movie if I'm like, you know, they're really likable and they're really like getting along. Oh and hell I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm buying this, but this movie is crap. But I'm digging them. Yeah. Dude, not 10 minutes into the movie, I'm just like, I'm checked out of those two. Like, I, I'm not on board with either of them. That doesn't surprise me, man. Yeah, and, and specifically sucks. him. But yeah, I don't know. This is a, this is a the hold, hold up. up slash you've been warned for me. <laughs> yeah. We spent a long time on that shitty we movie. Uh, maybe let's talk about a movie that I think we all really liked. Let's do it. What We Do in the Shadows. Whew. Now, you mentioned it. Not in to be s- confused with the Fifty Shades of Grey in the Shadows. <laughs> yes. Like, right. This is a whole different thing. Yeah, What We Do in the Shades of Grey is not. <laughs> but you actually mentioned this movie, I think, in a past catch-up or something. Months ago. Uh, but Because uh, I'm ahead of my time. Yeah, you know, because you're ahead of your time and you have no scruples. <laughs> but, um, no, but this is really a funny film. And yeah. I would say that if, if anyone... If it seems familiar from some of the concept, I mean, it's basically made in the kind of Christopher Guest yeah. model of a mockumentary, and it is it is about vampires, which could sound almost as tired as it being about zombies at this point. If you mm-hmm. hear that it's about vampires, you go, oh, is there anything funny left about this world? There's been so many spoofs and so many spoofs yeah. of spoofs. But I would say they found a really funny middle ground between that kind of slice of life mockumentary humor and an actual story with uh, with you know like the supernatural aspects of the story aren't too worked out, but the fact that there's actual conflict, there's actual characters that you care about, there's actual threats to characters that you care about, there's actual development, and um, it's got some really great performances. And I don't know if I've mentioned who's behind it, but you know we mentioned this last time. It's Jermaine Clement and uh, Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. I'm glad you said it because I was going to try <laughs> it and say it, t- say Taika Waititi again. Um, <laughs> Waititi. Yeah, but Taika. Say it again. Waititi. Taika Waititi. Taika um, is, is the co-director, along with Jermaine Clement, of Flight of the Concords. Yeah. It's got that Flight of the Concords humor in spades. I love it. I love the little asides. Anytime you think a scene is is over, there's a character who says a little line, you know, right before it cuts, or some little line yeah. uh, that just sold it for me. And I would say this, this as, mu- as many big, silly moments are in this film which essentially follows a, a group of... Well, they keep saying it's a flatting situation. It's four <laughs> vampires that live in a flat together. And I love that the young one is 183 years old. Yeah. And the kind of middle-aged one is what? He's 897 or something. And then there's one that's a couple hundred years old. Uh, no, there's the there's one that's 183, one that's, I think, Jermaine Clement, his Vladislav. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His character is supposed to be like 800 years old. Yeah. Then there's the one who looks like Nosferatu, Peter, who lives in the basement, and he's supposed 8, to be 8,000 yeah. years old. And there's just a scene early on where they're having a house meeting, and he says, did you ask Peter to the house meeting? And he says, he's 8,000 years old. He's not coming to the house meeting. <laughs> we're, or, or, 
we're not asking him. <laughs> it's just full of these little asides. And I mean, I, I, I thought of so many things. I wrote some things down when I was watching it. But I know, yeah, obviously you guys liked it too. What, yeah. I mean, I, I did a lot of research on this movie before it came out. Um, it's based on a 2005 or 2006 short that they had done. Um, the movie was made for a little over a million dollars. It just really hit the theaters, uh, L.A., New York, Chicago, February 13th. Um, they were trying to find distribution. They still have, they had a Kickstarter that just ended pretty recently trying to get distribution. It's really uh, a pretty interesting project because uh, they actually, New Zealand, they're from New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand movies don't get made very often. The government actually funds them. Yeah, I know. It's so bad. And this movie, uh, they were afraid that basically when you give it to the New Zealand government, they alter the script. They didn't want it to be touched right. because their humor is very specific. Um, so they wound up getting funding themselves and kind of making it. So I, I don't know. I think it's it's one of the, the best comedies I've seen in a very long time. It's, it's fun and slapsticky and smart. But I love slapstick. I love like oh, it's, it's a great things. blend of high and low humor. Yeah, the fact that it's gory makes the kind of low that a lot of the low humor comes with like squirting blood intact yeah. or someone on fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it it doesn't shy away from the grisly kind of horror movie aspects of the story, but it still somehow manages to avoid being totally unpleasant. Like there's a couple of moments where you go, oh wait, these are awful characters that are <laughs> doing terrible things. That, that you know that poor girl. But in general, you end up kind of siding with them pretty quickly, and it shows that their relationship with the gang of werewolves that they run into in their neighborhood is hilarious. So funny. Um, uh, one of the exchanges that I just love, there's a moment where they're all leaving to go to a party, and one of them is sitting, and they, they're bugging him to go, and he says, let me do my dark bidding on the internet. <laughs> and then one of them says, what are you bidding on? And he says, I'm bidding on a table. <laughs> in this little offhanded way. I love the idea of dark bidding. When a vampire goes on eBay, he's, it's dark bidding. But that's just the kind of thing. There's a there's a, one of the werewolves. One of them cusses, and then the alpha male of their pack corrects him and kind of slaps him and says, "You know, we don't do that. Uh, we're we're werewolves. What do we say?" And they yeah. all say, "We're werewolves, not swearwolves." <laughs> Which just again, the inner life of those characters. It's very flight of the concords. Really silly, but really worked out. And it reminds yeah. me of like. I don't know, like the the classic like Monty Python type sketches where sure. it's just really cleverly written and it's an aside that leads to a little logical loop that the characters get mm. caught in. It's just really funny stuff. I mean, I feel like they just came up with funny material that either was a perfect version of a joke that we've all sort of thought about vampires, yeah. or it was a totally new wrinkle. Like I don't feel like they, I don't feel like there were that many predictable gags. No, not at all. To do with with how these characters live. I mean, and the premise is there's a new vampire that. Um, comes into their group and he's the first like modern person and he's a really funny character too because he's he's like a showboating guy who keeps call, yelling twilight in public and stuff but he's sort of like becomes the antagonist in a lot of ways because he brings a lot of the changes to this house but yeah. these guys are again the youngest one's 183 um so they certain things they just don't have yet like they don't have cameras they don't have camera oh phones so instead of like looking they can't look at themselves in the in mirror mirrors. and so rather but for a minute i was like why don't they take a picture but then later in the film it becomes obvious that they don't know about modern technology yeah. but they do drawings of each other <laughs> or they will they will they'll rig up a way that you could see the outfit i don't know it was just very very funny little yeah. gags like that that are just things i hadn't thought about like what would you do if none of you had access to mirrors how would you know how you looked it's yeah. like it's a bizarre thought 
but that they spin it out into a gag and then you know them being able to hypnotize people turned out to be a funny thing yeah and then Stu I don't want to go into Stu too much but (laughs) Stu is just a brilliant creation of a character it's just a really funny movie like I think Ronald just knocked it out like when he's when you just you don't even talk about like one of the things I think works so well with it that really hurts a lot of other movies is how the documentary mockumentary format actually makes it funnier right yeah. you know how that kind of found footage or like the the raw footage um makes the movie funnier than if it was just like a regular film you know mm-hmm. like like when the character actually questioning the filmmakers like why are, like when why are you filming this <laughs> you know like moments like that like really make the it just elevates certain scenes in the movie that just are hilarious to me and yeah the, the one guy nick that scene when he's like, yeah, when he's trying to describe himself, and he's like, yeah, I'm basically that guy from Twilight. Yeah, like that just that killed me. I mean, it it, it is. Well, Nick's it, the one who says when they say, "What are you doing flying in the window? You come in the front door, you won't attract so much attention to this house." And then he says, "You guys have a documentary crew here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you worried about attention? Yeah, but it's established very early. There's just text on the screen that establishes that the the documentary crew is under some kind of protection that they can't they be agreed. killed. Yeah. yeah, and it's like after that you just go with it. But yeah. you're right, Steve. What would be tiresome seeing the talking head interviews intercut with the silly footage becomes fresh when it's a vampire sitting there talking in this matter-of-fact way. And again, they just all manage that deadpan... You know, (laughs) they all do great at that. I mean, every every single performance is great. And and Jermaine Clement remains one of... Like, his comedy... It's just some of my favorite comedy. I mean, he's I love... so Fla- good at the deadpan. Yeah. He is. That, oh, and really the little God. quiet under the breath aside that <laughs> yeah, he throws in, you know? He's so good. He's so and you would expect his character to be a certain way, but he's still, like, very early in the thing. You see that he's basically the Flad the Impaler, except they called him Vladislav the Poker. <laughs> 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 and then later when he finds out about Facebook and he, he, he finds out about poking someone, he's like, oh, yeah, this, this is great. <laughs> That's just fantastic. It's I mean, it's funny. like so many gags like that that yeah. are that are like. And again, within the first few minutes, I was like, "This is good," and then it just built. And the, again, the mythology of the world and the whole. There's a history with a character called the Beast that's great. Um, and I don't know. It was just really well Beast. put together. Like I would, and, and, I would recommend this to almost anyone at this point. I and think. Jackie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I no, just, Jackie was a great character. They just have the... They, like, that, all that's the, beats, the familiar of the... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Deacon's yeah. Like, little... She, she had maybe my favorite line of the film. She, His little she, Igor. She refers to what the, the, the roommates have in their house as a homoerotic dick-biting club. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that the first half was just them. And then the second half was them kind of going out into the world. Mm-hmm. I love the first half that they go down the, into the, the city. street. They're like talking. He's like, fake. And yeah. somebody just yells it out. It's like, what? And also the, the, the concept that they have to be invited into a place. Yeah. And they go around. They, they go to the nightclub. They, they, go out night, they go out clubbing. They get all dressed up. But they ha- they keep asking like the bouncer at the front to let, to, to, will you please invite us in? And the guys are like, no, you have to just walk in. And he's like, will you please invite us in? And he's like, I'm not going to do that. And so they just keep walking, you know. I don't know. Really great. It's really funny, man. No, yeah, you, you're right, though. You could really tell anybody to watch it. Yeah, they would love it. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's so funny. But you definitely know, if you were a fan of Flight of the Concords, you'll love this. Yeah. If you're a fan, I would even say if you're a horror movie fan, this yeah. movie really goes there with some of the kind of the, the more unsavory aspects of sure, it. Sure, and sure. for a relatively cheap film, I think that what they do manage to show it fit into that little comfy B-movie space. There's a, there's a werewolf definitely. transformation that is just... It's as well done as it needs to be to pull off the jokes. And I love the, 
the where the movie goes as far as that the whole relationship with the werewolves is a really great through line in the yeah. film and uh if I keep mentioning that because and I'm I'm spacing on his name, the guy that played Murray on Flight of the Concords, oh, Reese he's, Darby, he's, he's so, fantastic. He yeah, he's fantastic. He's so good. He's so good at it. He everything. might be the best at those little asides. You know, when he goes, his whole thing about being the alpha male and how they all have to laugh when he laughs, <laughs> and then quizzing people about why they're laughing. I mean, it's just great because he's like being the alpha male, but he's still that insecure character that we love from Flight yeah. of the Concords. Very very um, good stuff. If you like that movie, check out Eagle versus Shark. And boy, I've been kind of championing boy for several years but two new zealand movies that kind of have the same sort of humor uh eagle versus shark and, and boy so anybody else see citizen four i did not i started watching it and <gasps> i cannot complete it I, oh no not because it was bad no but i'm just saying i like, keep getting phone calls i would say hang in there man because it's it's very cinema verite it's very slow the way it unfolds but man like did you ever see that movie the smartest guys in the room mm-hmm did you understand the Enron scandal before you saw no. that film? This will do for you the really? whole NSA leaks, the whole really? the whole uh, uh, surveillance state thing. Like I, I don't know if I ever fully understood what was up with the Snowden mm. thing. I mean, I I knew it, I read about it, but I don't know if it ever I ever grasped what he set out to do and what he did. I felt like I read more about the Fuhrer surrounding and the what to do about this guy and the kind of personality okay. politics that the media latched onto. Mm-hmm. But with the movie, what it does is it, it it's it's amazing. I mean, it's really amazing in the sense that they were following the documentarian, and I'm going to have to pull up her name. Lara Poitras. Lara Poitras, is yeah. that it? I'm just going to double check you there, Steve. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you're right. Um yeah, Laura Poitras, who I don't really know much about her, but she seems to be either a journalist or somebody who's a known quantity uh, to these other people in the film. But what's happening is she's being contacted by this whistleblower, who we know is to be Ed Snowden, but she doesn't know him. She arranges to meet him in a neutral location with a couple of n- journalists, one of which is uh, Glenn Greenwald, who very much became part of the story, too. And then there's a uh, journalist, I believe his name is uh, Ewan... McCaskill? From The Guardian. From The Guardian. Yeah. They're both there with Ed Snowden and the camera person. And I don't know if it's a whole crew. The movie's really well shot. Really looks great. Uh, but they, the world doesn't... When they're filming this, nothing's happened yet. Oh. They're That's sitting, crazy they're to They're me. sitting down in a hotel room with, with him saying, this is going to get crazy. I saw oh. that. And they're like but... saying, we need to talk to you about you. We want to get some information about you. And he said, all right, you can do that. But... What the media is going to do, they're going to make this about me as soon as they know who I am. Oh, wow. They're going to make this about me. So he said, I want the leaks. I want the story about the information and what they've gleaned from these leaks to be out there before the story about me because the media is going to make it all about me and they're going to distract people from from the real story. And he's kind of prescient in the, in the sense that he says it's not going to be long before his higher-ups can narrow down it's him or uh-huh. a small group of people who had access to this information. He's like, you have to release that it's me because I don't want other people, good uh-huh. people, to go down for my uh-huh. being the whistleblower. But there has to be like a window of time in between the story going public and me being revealed. And so you see them almost like there's almost like a release on that. They're like saying, we've got to go public with this. And it, But the movie tracks. It's one of those. We've talked about it before. It's one of those documentaries where they happen to have cameras there and then some shit happened. You know, as opposed to going back later and finding it and seeing mm. his his he's nervous. He's he's he knows he's doing something that's going to. I mean, he seems to be really aware. Do they show him? 
Oh yeah, yeah. He's okay. like the star of the film. Because I saw the. I mean, I wasn't sure about the oh, way yeah. that I saw the beginning. I was like, are they it takes sh- maybe about 20, 25 okay. minutes to get to him. But once it gets to him, you feel his energy. And again, what he's revealing, and back to the thing I never fully understood before, is that he was just in a position to notice. He just knew all this stuff. And the opening, basically, he's basically saying, you know, the NSA is in concert with the telecom companies is doing this and I can prove it. They know about it and I can prove it. This goes up to the highest echelons in Washington and I can prove it. He just had all the, he just was connecting the dots that basically showed that the telecom companies were just rolling over for the NSA and giving, I mean, at one point they revealed that 1.2 million people are on the watch list, meaning those people are being actively surveilled Everything they do on the phone, everything they do on the internet, everything oh, they do with their I, ATM card. One two, one point two million people are on the watch list now. Anybody can be watched. We're all being watched. We're all being, we're all being recorded. At one, they said that there's some station where they collect okay, data where there yeah, is weird. where there are a billion people could be analyzed at the same time at this one like data Holy station. Shit. They said it amounts to collecting 125 gigabytes a second of information about Americans. All your phone calls, anything you do online, your Google searches, it's all there. It's all there. They can connect it if they want to. Obviously, if they don't choose you, you might be just a, you know, it's you're just one yeah. more person. But 1.2 million people are being actively watched, which means actively surveilled and analyzed and every move. And what they can do is they can look at where you went with your Metro card, where you used your ATM card. They can look at other people who were using their ATM card in that same area. They can start to theorize who you were, who, who was in the, who was in the same store as you at the same time. I mean, it's amazing. And there's no, the telecom companies who are supposed to be saying, no, you've got to specifically requisition one person's records They're have basically been saying, everybody. That's what the scandal been was. Given all of it. I mean, that's what Edward Snowden did with his leak was connect the dots. Now, yeah, really national cool. security is at risk. And, you know, a lot of people would argue national security is at risk. A lot of people would say, you know, a lot, you can, he definitely has a lot of people hating him. You know, Obama himself came out and said he didn't think he's a patriot. You know, that's one of those areas in which Obama's record is not that great is that he actually opened the gate on some of those surveillance mm. uh, things as opposed to pulling it back. Right, right. Um, Anyway, very interesting. I don't want to just basically, you know, talk about the whole movie for you guys, but I would say if it seems a little dry or a little boring, get into it because it, it's just that's the way it's shot. There's text on screen occasionally. There's narration, which is I think the only narration in the film is Laura Poitras reading emails that she got from Edward yeah, Snowden. Yeah. So the only narration you hear is that the only an occasional text on the screen, and the rest of it is camera down in the room. No talking head like to the camera stuff, but she'll she she films him talking to journalists and she films him talking to people and so it's like you get that you have to kind of soak in it a little bit. How did they stum- How did they stumble upon this? Situation? How are they filming this? How, how is how is it that she's got her cameras <laughs> yeah. at the Guardian when they're deciding whether or not to run a story that they're worried about the government kicking down their doors because they're running it? Um, there's a scene where uh, the UK government pressured the Guardian to destroy, a, I guess, a flash drive, and you see a guy down there like drilling holes in the flash drive. And sp- I mean, like they had to document that they destroyed a flash drive or an archive, you know, because the government said that they had to destroy this information. Um, I don't know. I mean, how the, how they this? It really seems like this movie was filmed in the gaps when people were going, "What the hell's going on? This is about to get crazy." And now I don't think you would see those same people being so candid about what's going on but it's really scary i mean it's really scary and there's a point in the early in the film where edward snowden i believe says and other people kind of make this point that um 
when you have that much surveillance and they can shut you down at any time. If they if they're watching you, they, it's just a matter it's like being audited by the IRS. It's just a matter of if you get fingered and right. then you're then you're screwed. Well, that was, that was a bad phrasing. <laughs> um, but uh, that it what it does is it quells any reasonable uprising or any like there is no like one of the premises of our nation supposedly is that if our government is is screwing us, <laughs> we have a recourse. Yeah. But if there's this much surveillance and they have this much control over all the information, there's not there's no such thing as a meaningful uprising. They can yeah. squash it before it happens. Oh yeah. So if you think about what it really means for your freedom, they have a guy named Jake Applebaum in the movie who says people used to call it freedom, now they call it privacy. And he thinks that like that, wow. that he said he's he's like a young guy and he says he's really saddened to see so many people in his generation that say, oh, I'm not surprised, I'm not surprised, I'm not surprised yeah. that they're doing all these things because the meaning of freedom and liberty is the ability like it should be hard for the like they it should require going and and filing forms and and proving they need to to uh, to surveil a person. Yeah. Um, instead of it being so easy, you know, just talk to me about that in it. So like, he, so I have a friend that has a theory that like the big thing in the next couple of years is going to be like basically erasing yourself. Like oh, yeah. the, the, the best way that you can from the internet, because, because like it's, it's gotten to a point now where like people's footprints are there forever and they may have said or did something that they didn't even think about. Like when they were. We're at a point now where, like, 10 years ago, you may have had a live journal where you were like, fuck the government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that could be a thing that could be used against you when trying to get a job in the future or something like yeah. that. So that in the future, pretty soon, he has a theory that there's going to be, like, like, groups of people that you pay to basically erase your presence from it being searchable, at least. Right. Uh, like you know, things being readily available on the internet, which I, I kind of agree with at this point. Like it's getting to the point now where like I'm hearing more talk about things like this documentary and and how our privacy is basically in, in well, not even in jeopardy. It it doesn't exist. I mean, it's gone. And and it's you gone. know, and, and I mean, seriously. They really destroyed the really? fuck out of that flash drive. If you just want to see someone destroy a flash drive, right there, it. yeah. But you might have to wait through an hour and a half of all this yeah. other stuff. But yeah, man, I know. Oh, I know. I don't know if, how you feel about flash drives. I love flash. Drives. I have one. I don't on know. My maybe you shouldn't watch right this now. movie. Then. A sixty-four gig right now. Oh, my. They take a Dremel tool to it. You know what bugged me about the the footage of the guys destroying the flash drive though? They sh- whoever shot it shot it vertically. Oh, oh! <laughs> biggest pet peeve. That is fucking. Oh. What the fuck are we doing? Oh, these you days? lost me. I can't oh, watch. My God. <laughs> What is this, 1995? I know, I know. It was a big disappointment. But it's terrible. Definitely a must-see. Yeah, got to see it. I want to throw out one. I don't know how much longer we're going to be going through these. I want to make sure I get my go-for-it pick of the I think month, week, yeah. whatever. are the last? Whatever it is. So, John, you saw it with me. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I fucking love The Kingsman. Uh, I got to see this Kingsman movie. Secret Service. Matthew Vaughn's new film starring uh, Colin Firth, Sam Jackson, uh, who else is in it? Mark Strong. Uh, who plays the kid? Taron Edgerton. I mean, just who relatively is a, a newer actor uh, who I thought was great. I talked earlier about like just movies that are fun about yeah. John Wick. This is another one of those movies for me. Like this is a. I, I feel super privileged at this point to be going through a half of a year or almost a year where I've been able to see at least three or four movies in the theater where I just had a blast watching the movie. Yeah. And I saw this movie for a second time last week. And enjoyed it as much, if not more, than the first time that I enjoyed it because I was watching it with a friend of mine that hadn't seen it, and it's that kind of thing where you're excited for them to watch it because mm. you're gonna like laugh at something that you've already seen, 
but you know that like you're going to share the laugh with them because they're going to love it as much as you did and yeah. he and you know he did but I don't know much about the source material. It's a it's a base off of like a comic or a graphic novel. Yeah, it was based Mark off like a, a, a limited series, and I would say that like it definitely, it definitely hit the high points. Right. And it's interesting, like odd little things about it that aren't like the comic but are similar to it. Like yeah. for instance, in the comic, Mark Hamill is actually a character playing himself. Right. That's what I. He's read. Mark Hamill as Mark Hamill. As Mark Hamill. <laughs> he still faces a similar fate that he yeah. does in the in the movie. movie. But when I heard he was going to be in the movie, I was like, oh, that's really cool. If he's actually going to be doing the as himself stuff, they yeah. changed it around. But I mean, like they, the the basic thrust is there. Like what what happens to the the. The older spy character that kind of indoctrinates him is similar but not the same. Got there's it. certain things that go along, and I would say that like the villain and his plan, there's some things in the comic that I was wondering how they were going to pull him off in the movie that they just didn't try. Yeah, it wasn't like a great comic, but the whole time I was watching it, or the whole time I was reading it, it was like you know th from the first issue he was saying, "This is a Matthew Vaughn movie that's you know that's coming out." So the whole time I was reading the comic, I was like, "Oh yeah, Matthew Vaughn's going to tear this up." Yeah, the movie didn't quite do the. The stuff that I thought Matthew Vaughn... I mean, I feel like this movie might be... I don't know if you want to categorize Matthew Vaughn movies, but like this feels like there's something kind of slick and kind of heightened about it that does... Yeah. It takes place... It's not quite real world. Like Everything feels a little, a little heightened, but it was such a fun... I don't know. It just felt like a new take on this... On an old thing, you yeah. know, without being super spoofy, but it managed to be like a fun... Like a satire of James Bond, right. but Spot also thing. creating its own little like you can easily see how this could spin out into into more films oh, yeah. you know and it yeah. again not that that should always be the mark of success but this type of movie feels like at the end of it you go okay well now i could see this guy do more stuff there were some moments of kind of low humor in it that i wasn't like super crazy about but there were other moments of low humor that worked like gangbusters for yeah. me i yeah i, I just I, I love the super fun of the spy film you know like just some things are kind of a wink wink some things yeah. are they take a little more serious but um I just I just found it like a great blend of comedy, some really cool action. There are, there there are, are two scenes in this movie that probably would make like a top scene list if I had to make one oh, wow. of all movies I've ever seen in my life. Like <laughs> oh, if you made like a top 25 or 30, th there's two scenes that would probably maybe make it to this list. Really? One for sure would make it to this list for me. But um scene in the church? Yeah, the scene in the church and the scene I keep hearing about at that the scene. end. Mm -hmm. Um when they kind of reverse engineer the little chip. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that, but definitely the church scene. I mean, like just an awesome, awesome scene. Super, super cheesy, super, just fun. Great song choice, which mm -hmm. listening to an interview with Matthew Vaughn, the original song that was supposed to be in that scene was November rain, but it wasn't long. Like the guitar solo wasn't long enough because <laughs> apparently he shot a part of that video for Guns N' Roses and oh, he wow. wanted to use that, that oh, song, okay. wow. but uh, it wasn't long enough of a guitar solo. So then they got the song they got, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just love the movie. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to harken on it too much. You know, like yeah, I, I, Matthew Vaughn. I'm, I'm a fan of like most of what he's done and and the the visual style. It's very slick and very well. Like the editing is kind of quick, and I I like that. And um, a lot of choreography to some of the action scenes, especially that church scene. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what else to say. I mean, like I've seen it twice, and I would see it again. And I think Colin Firth does a great job. And oh, Colin Firth is he's, great. He's great in it. I've never quite understood the Colin Firth thing. Yeah. But I feel like I get it now. Yes. And actually, I also want to say one of the best things about it is that Samuel L. Sam Jackson, Jackson shows up in this film. He actually he shows him. up and he acts. He acts. He kills it, man. Get the fuck out of it. Now I have him. to see it. 
Yeah. I feel like you would really like it. I, I think really you would. Do. I think you would have. You a know blast. who else is great is Mark Strong. I think you mentioned oh, him, but like Mark great. Strong in that role is fantastic. Yeah, and it was to, it was to the point where close to the end, I think you and I both said that we we were like, please don't kill Mark Strong. There were so many like sudden twists yeah. in this film. It was like, don't don't kill I Mark Strong's Mark character. Strong, the moment that I'm, he has a I'm, gun, and he's like, this is my gun. Yeah. <sighs> that point, you're like, oh man, he's got to live. Yeah. He's got to live. No, it's great. It's uh, I, it did really well at the box office. I was very worried about it. Like when we saw it, I was like, we were talking in the parking lot, like. I don't know. I guess it's counterprogrammed against the Fifty I think, Shades. I think we both were like, "Oh, cool! It's it's counterprogramming for February." Yeah, because you don't normally see this kind of film. It could be this feels like an August film yes. or something like that, late summer thing. And then we were like, "Hey, maybe it'll be big." And then when you were looked and you were like, "Oh, Fifty Shades of Grey," we were like, <laughs> "Oh no!" But it does seem like yeah, brilliant it, counterprogramming. It found its niche because it and it's made gotten a, decent it, reviews. It made almost forty million, like thirty-eight yeah. or thirty-seven. Wow. Um, is that it, Matthew Vaughn's biggest opening ever? I think it. Well, maybe X Men no, first class. First class, but um, yeah, it's got like a seventy something percent on. It's gonna be fresh by this week's end. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's definitely an audience. Um, IMDb rating, which is audience ratings, eight point three. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's really good. And which is it? And it's kind of the same thing. Like you know, you get behind a movie sometimes where you like get excited when you see those little things that are like reached. You know, when you see like, oh, it's fresh. Yeah. Oh, like also audience like are really rating it high on INDB. You're like, okay, maybe this this film could probably find some legs yeah. and like really run and, and make a good run at a box office success. Because it is like John said, like you could totally see a franchise. Not that that is the precursor to making a movie. Yeah. But I'm sure there's a conversation to be made. Like there's a really great young lead in this movie who does a pretty good job. And let's give him a franchise if this movie does well. Because yeah. it, it's slick. It's fun. Is and this I his first it. film or something? It's not. I don't think it's his first movie. He's been in like some television series, some short films. I don't. It might be like his first big movie. He's he had a movie with Dominic West, mm -hmm. like last year, I think. That was like a like a period piece. I want to say, but I don't know. He's pretty. He's relatively new. What's his name? T uh, Taron Edgerton. I've heard that name before. I don't think he has any relation to like Joel Edgerton, who I don't know if you recognize from like Warrior. But um, he's I don't know he's been in a couple like TV things and yeah, I've never seen any of this. Well, thing. I mean I think that that helped me though that I didn't have a lot of associations with this kid. When yeah, he yeah, showed you up. didn't know him. Yeah, you just were like you just went for it. But, you got, yeah, you, that's that's my that's my go ahead for sure. I think my big go ahead is one we haven't mentioned yet, but I was gonna see if you had another one to mention before I throw it out there. <clears throat> I don't think so now. Fucking Paddington, man. But I need to see Paddington. I loved it. I I, I told thought you it was, guys it was great. I thought it was like charming. I mean sometimes you really mean it as the highest co compliment to a yeah. film to say that it's charming. charming. This movie like has great performances. The the little character of Paddington, who of course I remember from the series of children's books when yeah. I was a kid, yeah. but I didn't have like a huge association with it. Yeah. What I found interesting after seeing the film is I went back and read up on Paddington the books, and the f almost everything from the film was in the books yeah. in some form. Yep. Like Mr. Curry, the neighbor, I sort of remembered him, but I wasn't sure. But yeah, he's, I remember the he's kind he of like an marmalade? antagonist. The whole thing. Oh, Loves the marmalade, marmalade thing. They even pay homage to the gag uh, from the books where Paddington's suitcase had like an alternate dimension in it. Yeah. He could fit more in it than you thought he could. Because <laughs> there's a scene in the film where he eats jars of marmalade and you see him open his little suitcase up. And then you see like a big pile of jars of marmalade sitting there that just indicate that he got out. He's gone. Uh. And they don't ever explain that in the film, but I thought that was a nice nod to it. The family, I would say the one thing they did was they gave the family more unique characteristics. In the book, the father's kind of a put-upon, overworked dad, and the mother's kind of a, a serious uh, a homemaker type mom, and the kids are kind of indiscriminate. And in the movie, they flip that a little, 
And I, I pointed out to Nikki as we were walking out of it. I was just thinking because we, you know, we loved it. I mean, it was one of those movies where I'm, if I'm enjoying a film and mm-hmm. this charmed by it, it's like I'm on the verge of crying the yeah. whole time I'm no. watching yeah, it. I'm mean. laughing, but I'm also like everything. We're, I mean, we're all movie. We're, we're suckers for yeah, movies. Sure, yeah. sure. This movie worked on me. It kept me in that spot of like laughing and being afraid. I was like, I'd be like yeah, smiling, so smiling, and like feeling something going on. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, in in the ordinary movie of this type. You would expect him to take Paddington. In fact, when I first saw commercials for this, I thought, oh, he's going to show up. He's going to befriend the young son. It's going to be all about their relationship. It's going to be all about the parents not understanding something about the kid and how the bear helps them. They're going to take it. But that's not what happens. Paddington has like an equal relationship with everyone in the family who all have a neat quirk. I mean, it's not quite Wes Anderson level, but it almost approaches that level of everyone in this unique family having their own little quirky neuroses and set of traits. But but it's uh, what I thought when I was walking out was Paddington wasn't the only funny character. Oh. There were like there were every character was funny. Literally, mm. Nicole Kidman's funny. Uh, um, I'm spacing on his name, but the guy that plays Mr. Curry, he's Doctor Who now. He was yeah. in the thick of it and uh, oh, I'm gonna in the loop. In the loop, uh, right? Well, love Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. He's great. Uh, Hugh Bonneville, who yep. I don't know. What should I know him Downton from? Abbey. Oh, see, I don't watch that. But he was fantastic. Yeah. He actually he actually gets a lot to do in this film, and I'm like, when does an actor like that get to do a family film? And it turns out to have action beats, comedy stuff, beats. Yeah. There's a little bit of drama. There's a little bit of. I mean, I, I don't want to oversell it, but because it, it is like, it's a really sweet, sentimental film that really earns the emotions. And the way it's put together cinematically is just really clever. There's all these great little cutaways and visuals that are interesting. And I saw that the director is the director for The Mighty Boosh. Mm-hmm. So that tells you something about like the comedy pedigree of Mighty it. The, com- you know, the Mighty so Boosh good. is not old-fashioned, yeah. sappy comedy. So the fact that this guy is making such a charming and such a British film... Um, I, you know, shit, I, I, I would swear Nicole Kidman's face was actually moving in this film. <laughs> really? It actually had some movement. To she it. was really good. I don't know. It was. It was yeah, just. Yeah. I mean, I agree it, with it's you. possible to oversell it, but if you f- were wondering, uh, wait, that movie looks kind of fun or that movie looks kind of sweet, it really is like immensely watchable. And it's also not too long of a film. It gets in and out really, really quickly, and and just I don't know, just really good writing in terms of the characterizations being you know when movies really establish things quickly there's lines that just set things up and you don't even realize it's setting things up but then quickly you feel like you understand the world this movie kind of does that and it's little offhanded things like very early in the film when they are getting off the train and they're meeting paddington and he's standing there in the train station and he's got a note around his neck that says please look after this bear um uh, his his aunt, who had to retire to an old folks' home for bears, <laughs> sent him there to find a family, like a little refugee kid back in the war that they would send him to London for families to pick him up. Right. And they're walking by, and he's a, clearly a bear with a hat and a suitcase standing there. And the family goes by, and the dad says, Stranger danger, there appears to be some sort of bear over there. Just keep walking. <laughs> At no point do they say, what the fuck is a bear with a hat doing? And even in the movie, people do react to him like he's a bear. But at no point do people have that extra weird reaction of, wait, there's a bear on a skateboard with a police hat on? You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. It, it's it's just charming. It exists in this kind of magical world. Like yeah. the, the, the species of bear that they are is just a really intelligent species of bear. And they don't really go into much, they don't explain it beyond that. Like right. they don't mm. feel the need to... Uh, to like ruin it with either simplifying it or over explaining it. It's it's like there's a certain amount of magic in this. Is in this he world. always walking around? He like, is. Is he uh, like I mean, on he, all fours at any point? No, he's not on all no. fours at oh, any point. He's always cool. on his back legs. He's got that hat. Uh, he carries a sandwich in his hat for emergencies. 
Um, there's just, yeah, I, I feel like you could, I could name like 10 cute things that happen that are utterly clever and charming, <laughs> but like we find out, uh, what, uh, the, the guards at, um, I'm spacing it. What do they call those guards with the big hats? The Buckingham the, Palace, the Palace guards. Yeah. We find out what they keep in their hats in this film. Oh, wow. You know, it's that kind of movie. Yeah. But uh, super fun. And and my son, yeah, like it, the character of Paddington took with him the same way that like Star Lord, like Henry today was Paddington for the first half of the day. He found mm-hmm. all his brown clothes. He put on a tag. He wore the hat. He got his little suitcase out. <laughs> Man, it's like Paddington's like one of my favorite books. I honestly it's think great, you would love it. It's, it's great. Super, it's, yeah. it's it's actually kind of scary to me how good it was. Mm-hmm. I keep because, hearing like, that. It, yeah. it like didn't really have a lot. Same thing. Like it didn't have like a big. St- you think like a property like that would have been huge and it, it actually is doing it's actually done extremely well mm-hmm. you know worldwide especially because it was huge over in europe before it came out here mm-hmm. but um you would think that i don't know immediately leaving this movie I, I just felt like this movie is way better than anybody thinks it is yeah mm-hmm. like the screening was empty no one really knew about it like it just kind of came out and it's been slowly word of mouth it's not been very little drop-offs. Like, people, like you're seeing it. Yeah. It's been out for a while. Yeah. You know, like a month. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you yeah. know, and you you just recently saw it and you loved it. Because people are saying, you know, it's a good movie. And it, it, it's it's a lot better than anybody thinks it is. Yeah, it's better than it had to be. To yes. be like one of these uh, early in the year kids like movie type movies. things. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's extreme. It's it's sort of in that, like, you know, kind of like how the Lego movie came out. And that, yeah. like, family, that family film not not animation, but that family film that was just like a feel good, fun movie to watch. No, I thought of it. Charming. I was going to compare it to that, just in the sense that you don't expect to see. It doesn't need. It's better than it needs to be. Yeah. Very much like yeah. the Lego Movie yeah. was. You know, yeah. I love that too. That was it's a great. Definitely go ahead and see that one too. Mm-hmm. I was a little afraid because of Garfield and. Oh, it's not that at all. Nothing like that, man. It is like it is not that mold whatsoever. And I would say Ben Wishaw is that how you say his name? Wishaw. Um, I could, I could. Speaking of Colin Firth, yeah, Colin Firth, who was originally the bear, and then like left very late in the production. I could see Colin Firth having been good, but I think Ben Wishaw was was great, great. and I think he brought a youthfulness that wasn't like childish to it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I I was like, I would. I mean, it's weird to be thinking about a movie like this. Like, I want to see it again. Like, I would actually just watch it again. In a heartbeat, oh, I think you so, know it's so good. It's it. it really sweet, Loved it. and I think it's rare that you see that sweetness done well with mm. intelligence. You know, cool, Paddington. I'm gonna check it out definitely. All right, guys. Well, I that's think, it. I think we just caught up. I think we did. Done. Got caught up. Done. Got cottoned up. <laughs> so, so what are we doing in our next episode? We might want to throw. Can we throw the number out to people? <laughs> To see if we can get five sure, people if to... You, if you know the number, sure. It's a I new don't, number. I don't know the number. <laughs> we'll put it somewhere. Just call a number. Maybe it'll Just be call us. a number. <laughs> Just call it somebody might, up. It might be us. Yeah. I don't know. Or ask them if they know how to get in touch with us. I mean, yeah. they, somebody will eventually. Yeah. <laughs> might cut that reference to the number out. Yeah, then. yeah. The next episode, we're going we're gonna to do a special uh, TV Shmeevy episode. It's been a while since we've had a, a TV while. Shmeevy. We've watched a lot of TV, but instead mm-hmm. of just talking about the things that we've watched, uh, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite characters from these TV shows. Get out of but, here. But we've kind of limited it to uh, the 21st century. So uh, yeah, I, I was like, I don't want to be. Don't want to. I don't want to be deciding whether yeah. I put Lucille Ball and Archie Bunker and shit like it's that. It's a great on call. There, it's know? a great call. So and and it made it. You know, it'll make it a little more focused and. In terms of people accessing some of these shows, if they don't know the show that we bring up or the character, they can probably get to these a little quicker. Yeah. Through some mm-hmm. of the current means. Uh, but yeah, that's the next episode. TV Shmeevy. It's going to be top TV characters of the 21st century. That'll be a lot of fun. But uh, hit us up on iTunes. Rate it. 
star it, share it, do whatever you want with it. Um, it'd be Slap appreciate it. it. Flip it. Slap it, flip it down, reverse it, it whatever you want to do. Rub it down. Oh, no. <clears throat> and then, uh, yeah, so we'll see you guys then. As always, you've made our day. Bye. Take care. I, I could have sworn you were going to say you've made us 50 Shades of Gay, Ronald. <laughs> oh, I should have said that.